Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Hey. At the risk of um, repeating something that was already said, uh, it's, it's very special to be sitting here and, and seeing you guys. It's really, Catherine was uh, saying this yesterday, and I think Yana, you were kind of saying this again this morning, and it's uh, it's true. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing that we're come all together to look at this. Uh, human life, you know, and learn maybe how to be more, handle it with care, you know, be more graceful about the predicament that we find ourselves uh, in. And um, tonight is a special night. (laughs) Muriel. I'm wearing the, how do you call that? What? <laughs> Bow tie. <laughs> Don't talk all together, please. <laughs> Muriel, I'm wearing your bow tie. That's for the Dharma seat. <laughs> I have a good friend, she listens to the talk sometimes. She gave this to me. So she... Um... Yeah, this, uh, the end of a year and fireworks <laughs> to accompany it. Um, it's, um, it's, it's, I find this very interesting moment because uh, it, it is a conventional agreement. You know, we could have put the end of the year anywhere, really, you know. We decided to put there, but we all agree to this. It's a, it's a convention. It's an, a common agreement that we have. And in, in New Zealand, apparently, they agreed differently. <laughs> <laughs> so they're already in bed. It was more convenient for them. They said, no, we're going to do different. We're going to do it before the Americans, and the Canadians. So... Um, Yeah, so there's this uh, conventional reality, and we're really in this uh, reality. And um, there is uh, what is known sometimes, or what we talk, or way we talk about uh, about reality is in a way like twofold. There's the conventional reality, and then there's the more ultimate reality. And um, and my sense 
of the practice that we're doing is that we're kind of opening a little bit more to the uh, more ultimate or absolute reality without, very important, without losing the conventional reality and maybe learning to balance them both, yeah? And learning how how we can be in conventional reality without, without being caught in it or, or it becoming absolute. It's, it's really about conventional reality and there's, there's nothing else. And so we, uh, I think the spiritual path is a lot of the learning about both in experience, learning to hold both views, the wide view, and as Jack Cornfield loves to say, and not forgetting our social security numbers, you know? <laughs> So I have a really wide view and also a refinement to, to the agreements that we have. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I remember reading in some sutra, at some point the Buddha was speaking and he was saying, oh, um, the monks and nuns and the disciples and the practitioner who practice with me, we do use the conventional language of I, me, mine. We, we do use it. We know how to use it, and we do use it, but we know the limits of it. We know that it's, uh, it's useful, but it's not complete. It's not the whole picture. So when we say mine, we have a deeper understanding that it's not possible to hold and have really completely something because things are conditional. They appear when the conditions are right and they disappear. So when I teach in Montreal, I keep always saying this, I cannot, if I really think that my bicycle is really mine, totally mine, the day that somebody, and they do that in my town, the day day that somebody takes it as it was theirs, you know, I'll suffer. But if I have a deeper understanding that, oh, there is these agreements that we make together. Let's pretend it's yours, Pascal. Yeah? And we'll all agree to that and care about this a lot. You know? But I know, because I'm practicing with the Buddha, I understand that there's a limit to it. It's not absolutely true that it's mine. Yeah? And in the practice here, we're clarifying a lot of this. My anger, my anger, my thoughts. I'm thinking, and then I sit and become a little bit more quiet. As I, Am I thinking or things, thoughts are happening to me? They seem to be happening in that field of awareness, you know. I would choose to not have them, but I, apparently I think, like, it becomes, it's not so clear that this conventional reality gets shaken a little bit on the cushion. Do you agree with that? So, oh, it's, oh there's, at some point, it's not so much my anger, but there's definitely anger that arises here, or confusion, or joy, yeah? And we start to clarify, oh, joy, joy, yeah. It's a beautiful thing, or generosity, or calm. It's a beautiful thing, but if it's my, my joy, what, what is this person doing with my joy when they start breathing loudly, you know? I was all joyful, and now you're breathing in my joy, you know? <laughs> and we start to see this, uh, oh, if, if I'm mistaken, and I'm really holding on to this as mine, it's hurting, it's stressful. Yeah? So I learned to actually let go, but recognize, oh, it's there. So when I was talking about the national parks you know, the other day, and it's so that movement towards the universal that I mentioned, you know, like we go from the personal, yes, 
absolutely true, but also towards something more universal. It's not so much me, mine, but the nature, the human nature, the nature of uh, this reality. And so that's the movement we're doing in this. And uh, when I talk about this, that's what I'm talking about, moving from the conventional reality towards a more ultimate reality. Oh, there's the arising of a mind state or a sensation. How can you own totally, absolutely heat? Heat is being radiated from your knees or calves or foot, you know? It's, it's public domain, you know? Heat happens when the conditions are right, you know? And the Buddha was saying this, he was saying, uh, Uh, you know, the, the untrained mind, the unwise mind, will uh, recognize the earth element. So that's a kind of a, maybe a somewhat archaic language, if I can say that. I would say, you know, the untrained mind will recognize the earth element as earth element. So let's say we could say here today, somebody uh, with an untrained mind, uh, in terms of the spiritual path, you know, in ter- terms of the Dharma, will recognize hardness. You know, you sit on a cushion, it's, it's hard or it's soft, you know, but you can recognize this, it's hard. So the earth element, that's the language of the element. So they'll recognize the earth element, but they'll make this little mistake. They'll think it's my earth element. It's my hardness. And that's the small little difference with a trained mind or a wise mind is they'll recognize, oh, there's hardness here. There's really intense hardness. You know, there's unpleasant hardness here. It's present. But there's not so much this thing like this. And we start to see this everywhere in our life, you know. When uh, there's a view, and I'm holding to my view, how the really holding to it, and suddenly, with the practice, I realize, like, oh, my views, they come and go. You know, somebody says something that is wise, suddenly it becomes my view. And in the next conversation, I say, well, what I think is, but actually it was passed on, it's a passage, until another view, wiser maybe, or more convenient, <laughs> will come, and then that'll be my new view, my view. Yeah. And so in this practice, we... Uh, this movement, so I talk about, uh, we talk about this as the universality of this, you know, generosity. My gener, I'm generous. Yeah? If I own generosity, it, there's a, can you see the perturbation in that, the, the, the mistake that happens, the misunderstanding? I'm generous, I've always been generous. Is there freedom in there? No. But, oh, generosity is available. Let's act on it, you know freedom in that yeah and so a way to move from the more conventional to the more ultimate if you we use that language is thinking oh this is the human experience i'm discovering the human physical experience or the human emotional experience and another way is to think in terms of dhamma do you know that there's a dhamma with a small d and a dhamma with a capital d some of us know, some of us didn't know up to now. <laughs> so, 
the Dhamma with or Dharma, depending if you're you're playing with Sanskrit or Pali, the Dharma is the teaching of the Buddha or the laws of nature, and that's with the big D, the capital D. The small D, when we say Dhamma, is uh, it talks about phenomena, so it's the experiences of our life, the phenomena of cold, the phenomena of vast heart, the phenomena of contracted, ripped, open heart, the phenomena of fogginess or clarity, you know, these phenomena, they're called dhammas. So in this practice, we get out of the personal somewhat, and we start experiencing things as phenomena, you know. And one of the things that we start to do, so in my, in my eyes, we're, what we're doing is we're putting on, removing the me-mine lenses, and we're putting on the dharma lenses. The dharma with a big D or with a small D, if you want. So I'm getting out of what I wanted and how I wanted this retreat to be and how I envisioned they would do that last evening of the year and what I want. I get out of this and I put the dharma lenses, small or big, as you want. But in, when I put these glasses, suddenly there's like, oh, there's expectation, there's lack, there's confusion, there's ease, there's pulsating, there's falling asleep, you know. It's, it's just, uh, do you see the difference again of this movement? It's not so much the personal and what I would have wanted and my ideas about things, but the, I entered the world of small dhammas, which is the world of big dharma. It's the phenomena. I become interested in phenomena. And one of the things that we cl- start clarifying for ourselves is uh, what is beneficial and what is I want to say tonight, troubling, entangling. Yeah? And what ways it's possible to use this heart-mind to uh, experience more freedom and less entanglement. Yeah? So I'm sitting here being somewhat miserable for some reason, you know. Good reason, usually. Something didn't turn out as I wanted, you know inwardly or outwardly. So I'm sitting here and I'm maybe dejected, you know. And so I start, or it starts, the inner critic that uh, Catherine was talking about. And there's like this, the beautiful way you described it, the subtle ways of the using the Dharma to beat oneself up, you know. You're so not like this, like that. And with the attention, this phenomena, it reveals its own... Uh, unbeneficial nature, that it's not, it becomes clearer as I'm saying, oh, it's not a good use of the mind-heart, the beating oneself up. Before I was in the trance, I could not see this. It was just a description of reality. I'm such a lousy meditator, and I've practiced for two years now, and I've come to nothing with this practice. Everybody else is enlightened around, you know. (laughs) It's just, I'm in the trance, it appears like reality, yeah. But with this attention that we put again, this phenomena is revealed for what it is, unhelpful. And so I start to question, oh, that may be not the best use of the mind, you know. And if it happens that through grace, through uh, qualities that are 
already in my heart-mind because somebody suggested it in the talks or in the conversation in the groups. If being still dejected about what happened to me in life, uh, suddenly there's this possibility of caring for this person that is not feeling so well right now, here. You know? Then what is revealed in the Dharma is that this phenomena of compassion, of caring, oh, as I was saying with people today in groups, oh, it's hard for you right now, my love. This voice comes in. With the attention and the presence, we can feel intuitively that this is liberating. It's not entangling like you, bad meditator. You know, we can, we can, do you agree with me that it becomes intuitive? It, it's, it becomes a, more and more apparent. Before it was kind of hidden for, for it, it, it should not have been it, because it's coming, becoming very clear now. But now it, it's clear so I can see like, oh, intuitively this is, how, I don't have to think this is helpful. I feel it. I have the experience of it. So I'm clarifying like the Buddha did. What is entangling? What uses of the mind are entangling? And what are liberating? Which ones are liberating? Yeah. And so in this way, what we're doing, in my view, is that we're going for our, from our habitual reality to um, and we start extracting the wisdom from this reality. So for me, that's a move from the conventional, ordinary reality towards a more spiritual reality or uh, ultimate reality. I start to see, oh, it's not me or mine. It's just self-criticism, self-hatred is clearly not useful. And kindness, compassion is useful, is helpful in life. Yeah? And so, in a way, it's not about me anymore. This has gone with ordinary reality. It's about phenomena. Which ones are liberating and which ones are entangling? Are you following me? Yeah. Does that feel like an interesting path to be on? This is what we're doing here. And so, as I sit here, more and more I clarify this, that the pacifying of the mind, the abandoning of the obsession, even if I have to do it again and again, you know, the abandoning of the kind of half there, like half presence, abandoning that for a more uh, plugged-in attention, you know, for sensitivity, the... uh, the balance of mind, the, the unification of mind instead of being scattered, the abandoning of that, and the f- fostering, can I say that, or cultivating the, the unification of mind and body, being here now. I could be planning, I could be thinking about what could have been, what should have been, who I could have been, what, you know, and suddenly more and more it becomes clear to me that actually the best choice, the best strategy it seems to survive the retreat at least. <laughs> Maybe it's to actually be with the belly that is breathing, be with the sounds or the silences, you know? And it becomes more clear to me that, oh, 
the mind being unified in the present with the body is actually more a more beneficial way to, to be than being scattered or lost in ideas about the world. Yeah. So, oh yeah, and I can see that when I'm actually more interested, put my energy, my invest in being present here, I read more what is happening in the field, in the group, or inside of me here now. And I can attend to this more, in a more skillful way, with more appropriate response. When I unify the mind a little bit, like or pacify it, bring it to the present moment, what starts to be revealed is even more Dhamma, even more uh, ultimate uh, pieces of reality. I start to see uh, the changing nature of things. I start to see that things arise and pass, moods, thoughts, sounds, pleasantness, that things pass constantly. And because I see this, there's more balance of mind. I relax more. Oh, things pass. I don't have to over-dramatize this, you know. Yeah. So that's one of the things that happen. I, I start to see also that things are conditional. A certain sound triggers a certain memory that triggers a certain mood. And so I get out of, again of the, I got God, I'm thinking, I kept thinking about the summer where it's like, oh no, look at that, bang, bang, bang. That's how it happened, because I was present for it, you know. I can say, oh, there's a... And with the presence, I can decide to let go of these thoughts, or nourish them. Hmm. Maybe just another point about this. Uh, in my ordinary reality, when I'm in a certain mood, let's say I'm, uh, I'm a little discouraged. You know, it's not uh, it's not fun to be on the cushion. Then it will, uh, you know, so discouragement comes, and maybe doubt. What am I doing here? And I look at the week, and we were mentioning this in a group today. And I look at the week of retreat and suddenly it doesn't make sense. Why did I come here? Like it, the whole enterprise doesn't make any sense. It's, it was a wrong choice. What, what was I led by, by the idea of coming here? And also it's look, it looks gloomy. You know, like it looks like it's going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to drag myself to all the sits. And that's what I, the future I see is of that color or of that taste, I could say. Yeah. And the more I'm attentive... And leaving my trance-like ordinary reality where my perception, how I perceive the world, is, looks like reality. I start to notice that when I'm in a mood, reality appears in a certain way. And when I'm in a different mood, reality, or me, or somebody else, appears in a different way. And this, for me, is one of the parts of uh, the practice that I most prefer the clarification of this. So, when in the past I thought that what I perceived was reality, now I'm becoming more and more clear that what I perceive is what we call perception. 
It's just a, a certain way to understand, in, inter, interpret, understand, in, in what? Interpret. interpret the world. And that's very liberating. So I'm getting closer to phenomena. I'm not caught in, you know, this person was my friend last week, but now they're my enemy, or this other meditator that I don't know who I thought was my fellow yogi now is my enemy, and, you know, <laughs> and it's just reality. This is my conventional reality. And with attention, I start to see, like, oh, when there is this anger, it's not only hard to feel, this strong emotion is not only hard to feel, it also altered my perception. Suddenly, this person is threatening, it's like really threatening, you know, with their breathing. <laughs> no, no, don't laugh, they're really threatening me with their breathing. And so I'm starting to, oh, that's a perception, there's a, there's a, a way to... Uh, to, to see it, its perception. The Buddha used the image of a mirage. Mirage? He said, perception is like a mirage. And in my Dharma, big D, small d practice, I'm becoming more and more aware of this. That's liberating. Oh, looks hopeful. Look, looks hopeless. Mirage. It's part of this human existence that there's going to be mirage. Mirage. It's, it mirages. That's part of it. Can I relax inside the mirage? Yeah. Okay, I don't have to make it go. I don't have to stress about it. It's just, oh, okay, it appears like this. So I learn to relax into this. Yeah. So that's one of the many dhammas that gets clarified. He was uh, just maybe a few other little analogies. The Buddha was comparing the mental formation, and I'll take, uh, just as an example, the mind construction that we do as we sit or walk or lay in our bed or uh, while we drink our tea. So we, we create a, a world huh, that is kind of man-made or mind-made, maybe, of like, I recreate a situation of the past or possible situation of the past. Not possible anymore, but anyway, I don't care about this. It's, it could have been a situation of the past. It was not, but I can spend a lot of time in that situation of the past that wasn't and is not and is not going to be, but could have been. <laughs> or a situation in the future. You know, so there's a mental con- construction. I, so I go on a kind of a big trip, travel there and suddenly I find myself back with the cup of tea or back on the cushion. Yeah? Have you had this experience? <laughs> the Buddha compared this to um, a, a, a banana tree trunk. He said it's, uh, the, the banana tree seems like it's a solid tree, you know, big beautiful green leaves, bananas or flowers or huge production of bananas, you know. And as soon as you it bears its fruit, it falls flat because it's hollow in the center. And so the Buddha had this image, and he said, the mental constructions that we have, they're a little bit like this. They appear very juicy, there is fruit, you know, and you know, there's a big banana production, <laughs> only to fall flat on the ground. And then I realized this, yeah? So in my ordinary reality, I'm in that world. And after I go in another banana plantation, 
production, you know, and, and I go in another one, in another one, and in the, in the, the Dharma, I start to see like, oh, it's just a mind production. And then it, whoops, it falls on the ground and it's, it was empty. This clarifying of this is, is liberating. Oh, I don't have to get all caught and excited about it and negotiate with it or ask it to go. Or It's just, it does that, you know. I can be free in the middle of that. Yeah. It takes practice, you know, and we get caught here and there to use a euphemism. <laughs> but that's uh, what we do. And so what we learn to do is to negotiate uh, our conventional reality or balance it, maybe. Balance it with a deeper understanding of what's happening, of the phenomena happening. This, this uh, vision, this clear vision, is, is only, we're only interested in that because it's liberating. It's liberating. That's why we pay attention to get out of our, our ideas about the world and start to meet it really and see what is the expression that the see things for what they are what is the the typical uh, I've heard this a million times now with a thing seeing things for what they are seeing things truly or this so that's this movement of paying attention and suddenly seeing that the I my mind doesn't hold so well in this realm of conditions and it's things are changing passing and they happen because of other things and so this feeling of separation this perception of separation is only a perception it appears like this yeah so i hope there was something useful in that but what i'd like to do now at the midpoint of the talk is uh I'd like us to switch and uh, with, um, with attention and care, these beautiful qualities that are known to be liberating and, and a, an intention, very clear intention for um, balance of mind, I would like us to turn and enter, re-enter our conventional reality and actually visit it as the year is ending in this conventional reality, I would like to invite us to revisit the last year that is finishing and see what what bits we can find in that. And I don't know, it's a little exploration. So if you're willing to do this uh, with me, uh, what I would like to do is um, I would like us to um, turn the chairs and the cushion in the way that we would all kind of l- look or face the middle so it would become a community here you know so it's not like you have we have to make one s- a circle where there's only one line of seats but just turn towards the middle
like this. It's somewhat of a center here. Just a bit of adjustment. Okay, so just take a moment to notice this. This, this, is, uh, this is the community. Uh, now it's more clear that this is us. This is us maybe uh, crossing from one year to the other together in this silence. And around you is this humanity. It takes so many shapes and forms. Unique versions of life. Huh? There's, uh, in the whole history of the universe, there's only one like, uh, like this, like everyone that you see. It's unique uh, formations of life. Yeah? And we happen to come together here. It's, an, it's a strange thing, strange and amazing things that it's us who found our way here for different reasons or similar reasons. And invite you, if you want to close your eyes now, and just feel the body sitting here and the quality of your heart, mind, whatever it is. Whatever it is, is that okay that it's just like this right now? That that level of tiredness or interest or availability or tenderness or not? And I want you to, if you want, to think about uh, your day-to-day, different impressions, memories, images, and events of the day today. And again, we have the intention to do this exploration with the balance of heart, without falling into judgment or <coughs> just being touched by the images of the day and the images of uh, the few days since you arrived here. What were the different mind states? states that pass by? Was it one solid mind state or several? Is there one that was uh, more recurrent or visiting more often? You could think even of the last uh, few weeks, even before coming here. Who are the people you saw, places you were in this last month, maybe even? things known or said or heard? What impressions are left come back to memory? The beauty, the connection of the last, uh, the whole of the fall maybe, 
since the beginning of the fall, the beautiful moments and the difficult moments. might be images or none, you don't have to force anything, just be available, curious to revisit. In the summer now, what was the summer made of? Joys and sorrows or encounters, and you could include even the spring and the last winter as you wish, the impressions of the last winter and spring, what things happened. How can you hold these things with care, with the joy, with the compassion, with the friendliness? Sometimes when we do a a revisiting of the past like this, the whole year, the whole last year. Sometimes it's good to do a forgiveness practice. So if you want to, if it feels appropriate to you, and you think of uh, maybe of someone that you might have uh, consciously or unconsciously harmed or in a way abandoned. Try to see if you can think of this with care. The conditions were such that really this is what happened. There was a letting down here. It's not the best of me who showed up at that moment, or in these moments. If you want, you could think, uh, thinking of the person. I'd like to ask for your forgiveness. For the ways that I... I have harmed you, hurt you, consciously or unconsciously, with my words or my attitude or my actions, even my thoughts sometimes. If in your revisiting the year there was someone 
some unresolved business with someone that you think have hurt you, or you or really feel the pinch as you were thinking of the these last months. Or if you wanted, you could think of this uh, being. Maybe think in your confusion, or in your drivenness, or in your fear, or in your whatever was leading you there. You've hurt me. Maybe intentionally, or maybe not. And I'd like like to extend my forgiveness tonight. Or I have the intention to forgive you one of these days. I really do. To the extent that is possible now, I do forgive you. These things were really said really done. They created a lot of stress. And I'd like to release the hatred or anger or resentment in my heart. Maybe um, looking at this year, you might have seen ways that you abandoned yourself, that you were not your best friend. And if it feels appropriate, you could think for the ways that I've uh, let myself down, that I didn't take good care of myself. I'd like to offer forgiveness tonight. It's not really possible in this life to not hurt or oneself or another through confusion and fear and wanting to get been led to say or do things that were harmful for me or some somebody else maybe. I'd like to forgive myself. Checking on the breathing here, this body sitting here breathing. Connecting with the ground, the areas of the body touching the cushion or chair, just feeling this. Feeling the state 
the texture of this embodiment right now. And maybe it be a good thing to start from the end of the year last year and move backwards, but this time with the idea of uh, harvesting, letting come to mind the impressions of uh, the beautiful qualities that we've shown and that were shown to us in the year, the generosity, listening, the kindness, the patience, the honesty, the starting again. There were so many, many, many moments of this during the year. See if you can recall a few simple or great that you benefited from by offering or by receiving. As if you were walking through your life, through your last year, harvesting. The deep lesson learned. The clear, beautiful intentions. So let your goodness come to mind and the goodness of those around you. Let these come to mind. And if you want to, just if you want to, you could, uh, all these acts, moments of goodness or these qualities that you recognize in yourself and others around you, you could, with the power of your imagination, um, Gently put them inside the bell that is in the middle of the room, offering them, offering this beauty, if you want, to the world. All your beautiful movements of mind and heart, drop them one by one in this uh, Tibetan bowl there spell so we create some kind of a ocean of goodness or lake of goodness well spring of goodness What I'll do with uh, all this goodness is maybe I'll go and uh, ring the bell eight times, like Eightfold Path. <laughs> Why not? And in this way, kind of uh, share this. Let it uh, 
resonate and let this goodness with the vibration go up in the air and be offered to the world. Your goodness, the goodness that you witness for the well-being of all beings. Notice the state of the heart-mind right now. Just as it is, it should not be otherwise, just as it is. And this last little bit that I would like to do now would be um, that in the light of this, uh, these impressions and these memories of the year, there might be, if you want, uh, one quality that you would like to uh, call forth for 2014, one quality that uh, you would like to invite and you would like to accompany you in the year. So you could think of one quality that you'd like to evoke and manifest during the year. And also maybe one maybe habit or pattern or attitude that you would like very much to let go, to release this year, the coming year. You might be calling forth uh, patience or generosity or clarity, determination, courage, kindness, compassion. 
we have here a bunch of little papers and pen and if you want you could come and write on each uh, take two pieces of paper of different colors and uh, and write on each one the quality that you want to call forth and the uh, attitude that you would like to release and I'll tell you after what we'll do with it but you're not going to have to share this with anyone else if you don't want to or you're not, you're not going to have to share this that's for you I think that's important information <laughs> so if you want to you could come and take a pen and uh, a piece of paper put a few here on the stairs Choose the color. <laughs> I had my own ideas, but that's <laughs> When you're finished with the pen, bring it right back just in case you don't have enough. So So if you want, on one piece of paper, you write something that you want to let go of, and on another piece of paper, you want some, something that you want to call for, it, some quality of heart and mind that you would like to invite for the year, you would like to manifest, that would be liberating for you and beneficial for you and others around you. You can go back to your place with the two paper for now. Yes, just go back. Bring the pen back and, and... By the way, this is still a meditation here. So, you know, you're still invited to be embodied, to be curious, attentive about the quality of your mind, heart, whatever it is.
So we'll do this for a couple of more minutes. When you're done, you just go back to your seats for a moment and just be there, breathing, being. If you're waiting, notice that waiting is happening, waiting for something else. In this next meditation here, what I'll invite you to do is um, it's going to require a lot of uh, what quality could we call forth? Maybe mindfulness. You're going to be, you have to be uh, attentive. And uh, so, coming from different areas of the room, people will come. And a bit with um, a lot of embodiment, like knowing what you're doing, you'll come to drop in the wooden uh, uh, ball that is there, the wooden ball, not the, the bell, but the wooden ball. You'll come to let go of this quality or this pattern of mind or this attitude of mind that you want to let go of. But I want you to do it physically, so it means standing... And knowing what I'm doing, it can be very dramatic and theatrical, but it doesn't have to be. (laughs) But come and know what you're doing and drop the thing. And once you've dropped it, feel it. Be there for the dropping, being dropped. You know, like being body. That's why we do this. We just sit and think about it. We want to make it embody three dimensional. 
So what I'd like is that four or five, there's a constant flow, because I have ab about three minutes for this. <laughs> so mindfulness, awareness of others, and drop it. And after, we'll go and burn these papers outside for those who want, so you don't have to rip them apart, the if you don't want to or Having let go of this pattern, this attitude of mind that was not helpful for you or others, feel how it feels as you sit down again. So you've let go of that one. And the other one, uh, 
it's just the right size that we we cut it just the right size so it fits in your pocket or wallet on your nightstand or it can be a hang on the fridge door or the mirror at the entrance of your apartment or something and the way I see this is that it's a strong intention that we can it's the power of intention uh, it's very powerful but also this can become a practice for you this year so something that you'll maybe the maybe there'll be one or more opportunities to let go of this pattern again you know and so it's not the occasion to judge oneself. Oh, it's still there, I let it go. No, it's like, <laughs> it's, oh, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity for practice. I really want to let this one go. Et voila. And the, the other one that you have in your pocket or your hand now is also maybe you'll take it on as a practice this year, as a particular practice uh, that will accompany you during the year. Oh, this quality I value. I value, how can it arise today? How can it arise today? How did it arise this week? You know? Oh, et voila, here's an amazing chance for me to show this quality. You know? So a practice. So now, if you want to, you can, uh, you can uh, dress up, and we're going to do a uh, we're going to go outside, those who want, uh, or can, or, and we're going to go and burn this up, these little papers, and just witness the disintegration of this. Witness it for you if you don't come. There'll be a pause, and if you want, at 9 o'clock you could come back here, so in 25 minutes, and we'll do a little chanting, the taking of, re of refuges, we'll do a little chord, little protection cord together. The whole thing will take about 30, 35 minutes. Some, and then uh, we'll call it a beautiful night. Okay? Yeah, there's a little treat in the dining hall <laughs> now. So you can enjoy tea and a little, little treat. Uh, yeah, after the burn or during the burn, if you if you don't come out, but if you do, we'll just gather in the front steps outside there, and uh, put fire in that. Okay. So maybe uh, so we'll we'll ring the bell at nine. The person who rings the bell, if they're here, and we'll gather. Uh, here at ten past nine, so we have a longer break. Okay, and feel free if that's enough of a night for you. Take good care of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>